This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We're recording on Sunday night after Manchester United's up and down and eventually up, I think, cup tie at Newport County. It was a match that Marcus Rashford missed, according to United, because of illness. But Eric Ten Hag described a night out in Belfast as an internal matter. We'll have all the details on that and we'll also preview the midweek Premier League trip to Wolves. We've got Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten with us. Evening, gentlemen. Andy, did you enjoy that? I enjoyed Manchester United going ahead. I know that United planned uh, in their game plan, get ahead early. That was what was said to the players. That worked. And and that did happen. And it was all going to plan. Did they plan anything beyond that? Well, they were worried about the pitch and the physical threat of Newport. So the idea was get ahead early, settle things down, control the game. And that was going to plan because Bruno's goal was after six or seven minutes. And then it was a really good cup tie for a neutral. We maybe wouldn't describe ourselves <laughs> as neutral. I know we're going to talk about Manchester United here. Newport County absolutely deserve praise for their part in it. I feel that they were probably thinking, a draw's better than, than us actually winning here to go back to yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, it was good that Casimiro, Martinez, Luke Shaw, all of these players were coming back. And first half an hour, I'm thinking, okay, onwards and upwards. Start with a, a gentle game at a fourth-tier club, win it, and then start to replicate this in the league. And I saw a lot of positives. But then Newport County, who were just below mid-table in England's fourth tier, um, scored twice. So I'm sure we'll get into the bones of it. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into the different details, some of which you teased there. But overall, Laurie, why can't United just win games without there being these situations because we're in nearly February now and they're still at a point where they can't seem to just win matches comfortably without any drama. It really looked like it was going to go that way though, didn't it? Like, you know, 2-0 up in no time, 
having all the joy on that left-hand side. And maybe a bit of a turning point on that was Garnacho having that shot that hit the crossbar and then, you know, Bruno Fernandes and Rosmus Hoyland in the middle looking a bit perturbed that he hadn't passed it. And I think Bruno said that after the game, didn't he? That was one of his things that he mentioned, you know, maybe not making the right decisions and, and, and players wanting to score themselves to get on the score sheet, you know, realising that there's an opportunity to rack up a decent score here. Um, so, and then, but I mean, listen, Newport got there first with a bit of a freak, right? I mean, it was a great strike, but also took a very odd deflection off Lisandro Martinez because it not kind of... many goals of the season or goals of the competition or goals of the century however it was described take a big deflection do they <laughs> I think it was going wide I mean I think technically it might be Martinez's own goal but they're never going to take that off him are they no and, and, and they shouldn't do really sorry Brim Morris for even questioning <laughs> it <laughs> and and to be fair your mate Andy made a nice um, change at half time then he with the formation tightened it up uh, where Luke Shaw was getting so much joy and then they scored down that wing um, or down their left ring rather and you know I think it was a really nice goal Will Evans looks a really good player for that level and only turned pro like three years ago was it former Cardiff Metropolitan University student former cow farmer as well um, former cow. you need to get all the elements of his story in because it's quite remarkable to be fair well given Andy's fascination with udders and, and stretchy udders I wonder if sure. um, Will Evans can tell him something about that um, <laughs> but uh, really nice movement to get in front of Varane and then at 2-2 two, two, you're thinking okay wow <laughs> this is really uh, this is really on here I think they just got tied in the Newport and United to be fair to them you know they did deserve to win you know some of the performances were pretty good I thought Maynou uh, Shaw I thought was a real bonus uh, and also Fernandez really um, uh, yeah there were some interesting moments weren't there that, that late on when Hoyland you could hear him audibly scream at Garnacho uh, Garner um, because he didn't square it again to him and I'm sort of in two minds on, on that those kind of situations just because I think Hoyland certainly he doesn't get the ball enough for what he does in the box. I think he could be found more, but also it does feel like he's still not, still doesn't know exactly where to run and and, and which moments to to drop or to kind of push on and and you know make himself more available. I suppose, um, but I guess you know he's still young, isn't he? And that should come in time. But it's uh, uh, overall, I was glad to see him get a goal, and you could see how much it meant to him at the end, even though it was a fourth, you know, in a four-two win. Yeah, let's start it on Hoyland then. And we'll get into the details from here. I mean, three goals in four games for him it, it is a decent return actually, and it's him putting a little bit of a string of performances and and goals together, Andy, which is encouraging. Um, but it was his first shot of the game in the 94th minute against the League Two side. I'm not sure it was all his fault, but he certainly would have contributed to that, no doubt. I thought he worked hard. I thought he led the line well. He created space for others by occupying the centre-halves and taking them out of the game. But you're right, he didn't have a shot until the 93rd minute. He was fuming with Garnacho when he didn't play that ball across for him to tap it in. So I was pleased when he did get that goal and it continues a run of goals for him, his first ever FA Cup goal. I think it was a smart finish as well. And he looked extremely relieved. And when the game's faded away, it is another goal. And goal scorers need to score goals. And he's he's had a pretty difficult time. So I, I thought he did all right today. I, I, I know I get that he wasn't shooting all the time. And it was a concern, but then he got the goal at the end. There's no doubt he's putting his all in, Laurie, either. That's the other thing. And like Andy said there, he's working hard for his teammates. There's no issue with that. It's not the first time that we've had these sort of discussions about Rasmus Hoyland either. What about Anthony? Goal and assist. First goal of the season. First assist of the season. Pointed to the sky. Kissed the badge after his goal against League 2 Newport County as well. I'm, I'm sensing something in that question, Ian. I don't know. Do you, do you want to answer it? 
I just wanted to get your thoughts on Anthony's performance, really, and him having an end product in the game. And you provided a lot of context there. Um, yes, it was interesting, wasn't it? The uh, the extreme kind of show of emotion that he, he gave. I mean, it was his first goal of the season, so I guess he's going to savour it. Um, and, and to be fair, it wasn't. I know it was an open net, but it wasn't the most straightforward finish. You're wincing. Okay, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find something here. And uh, yeah, a goal and assist. You can't ask for more than that, can you, from a winger? But I, I, he is a frustrating player, isn't he? Um, uh, just the amount of time. I mean, that that moment in the second half when he's got the ball on the right and he tries to cut inside, and you know he thinks it's a foul, and he's gone down holding himself, and it just it just hasn't got the in that moment. He didn't have the skill, the technique to beat his man, and it, it is too frequent an occurrence that he he gets you know just the ball taken off. I mean, you can kind of see that means that the players aren't necessarily expecting the ball to come into them, you know, in, in the middle. So, you know, it, it, it kind of, the, the momentum of the attack, uh, obviously it actually ended in that situation, but even when it doesn't, it, it kind of loses its um, sort of sense of purpose. So, yeah, I mean, not ideal. I don't think as a, a Manchester United winger, clearly, I don't think really is good enough for Manchester United, but, you know, the number of players they've got to actually perform these kind of positions isn't as much as what you'd thought it was, you know, at the start of the season. So uh, I think he's going to be continuing in that role, um, you know, certainly for a little bit. And um, and I suppose, I suppose at least that's what you want. You want a little bit of emotion, don't you, from a player when they've scored um, to sort of show that it has meaning. Um, you just want him to do it in the big games, you know, against Premier League opposition. Yeah, exactly. The thing with him as well today, Andy, one thing he did do really well was, was was the run for when he set up the first goal for Bruno Fernandes, switching sides and getting that assist um, from the left-hand side rather than the right-hand side. And again, Garnacho was on the left-hand side rather than on the right-hand side where it feels like his performances of late have been have been much improved. He's sticking to this Tenag, isn't he, with these wingers? on the sides that they don't feel like they're at the best, maybe. Yeah, there is players. And when I saw that team today, I thought that's pretty close to his idealised side. Yeah. I think Anthony did have some moments. And when he put a ball through to to Bruno, and it was good that Bruno apologised because that was the sort of thing that that goes viral with, oh my God, he can't even pass the ball three metres. And and he'd done absolutely nothing wrong there. I thought his goal was well taken. I think he had more shots on goal than any other Manchester United player so you can't go over the top when you're judging a player against a team as lowly as Newport County he's a player whose stock is probably lower than any of the other players who started today so we dealt with Anthony Martial the other day now we're dealing with with Anthony and a massive improvement is needed because he cost a huge amount of money and he is completely underwhelmed and I hope it does work out for him but Play well in a big game. Play well in a in a big Premier League game, and that's when you'll be judged more accurately. Laurie, let's talk about the team then. It was the first time that Manchester United had Luke Shaw, Alessandro uh, Martinez, Rafael Varane, and Casemiro all in the starting lineup since the second match of the season away at Spurs, which was a defeat in fairness. But Tenag has spoken about this a lot about getting the players back, about judging us when our our stars are back in the side I don't know what his exact phrasing was but it was along those lines and it's only one game um, but what did you make of everyone being back and um, and what does this mean for United moving forward? 
it's a huge benefit to Tenag and United um, having more players back fit, clearly, uh, but particularly those players. Um, he's spoken frequently ahead of the January transfer window, obviously first to Andy and United West Stand and then more recently about the fact that they wouldn't be bringing in any players in. And there was obviously a little bit of debate, wasn't there, over... The uh, injury to Anthony Marshall would that change things? And you know, we did the story that it wouldn't, and then he confirmed it on Friday. You know, he's looked at it himself. You know, I'm sure he's pushed behind the scenes to try and get some reinforcements, but the FFP situation, the PSR is just too tight. So uh, the only alternative is to get these players back fit and firing. Um, and the sort of triangle of Varane, Casemiro, Martinez was something that he felt last season was very much pivotal to going on that long sort of winning sequence and having the success and he's just not been able to pick it this season and obviously that's partly with well definitely with Martinez's injury and Casemiro's but also partly with Varane you know having a bit of a dip I suppose and Tanag maybe changed his mind on him a little bit but clearly now that they're all back I, I do feel like he will you know stick with it given it did work for him last season I know how Maguire came on as well in the second half, so maybe there's a bit of a rotation there. Um, but I, and I also think Luke Shaw just showed again he's just a quality footballer. Yeah. I mean, it's such such a shame that he gets these injuries. I, you know, I don't know how you can sort of mitigate against that. Where the kind of responsibility lies on that one, obviously he might have to take some um, himself, but also the kind of staff and and then you know the, the selections that the manager makes. Um, but he just whenever he gets on the ball, I just feel like he's got that composure, calmness. I mean that um, for the third goal, obviously to to sort of shift it back onto his right foot and curl a beautiful shot against the post. Just you know didn't seem on at that moment when he got the ball, but he just always seems to have that sharpness of touch and and being able to wriggle out of tight situations. Um, yeah, he's a beautiful footballer to watch. So I think he's a, if he can stay fit, I think that would be a huge benefit to United. Um, and we didn't touch on this in the last podcast, but they had the uh, behind closed doors friendly against Burnley last yeah. week uh, on on Wednesday and and. Shaw and Martinez and Casemiro and, and Maguire all played in that for like an hour. So clearly Ten Hag was, wanted that game in there. I know they lost <laughs> 3-1 that game. Burnley doing the double over United at Carrington. I was going to say this and has happened he, before, hasn't yeah. it? it like that <laughs> yeah, was 3-1 August, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was 3-0 actually. So oh, was at least it? Improve, oh, was an improvement then. Improvement, yeah. Well, Anthony scored a penalty uh, in this 3-1. So I wonder what his celebration was like for that one. <laughs> Do you know how the scoring went um, in that game, Laurie? Oh, go on, Andy, you tell me then. I don't know. I think United were 3-0 down inside like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, really? God. Well, there we go. So if Anthony did celebrate this penalty, you know, in the same way that he did at Newport, then th- that really is something. No wonder they wanted a quick start in this game then after that. <laughs> yeah. um, Andy, what did you make of everyone being back? I think it's a good thing. It, this is going to save Eric Ten Hag his job. These are his best players, the ones who did so well for him last season. And league form has to improve dramatically. And if it doesn't, I fear for for his job. And I thought it was good to have Mar- Martinez back. Totally agree with Laurie on Luke Shaw. And especially about the timing of that shot, because it was like Newport could be creeping back into this. And it was a lovely bending shot against the post. I thought Casimiro, first game since what, start of November, disciplined, knew his role. Obviously got a yellow card because he's Casemiro. No arguments with that one. Such a mad one again. They won it like a scissor challenge. Like what? It just, what? It just wasn't needed at all. But this is the team, bar one or two changes, which is going to make or break Manchester United season. Because as Bruno Fernandez said after the game, we want to try and win this cup. And I was disappointed when Spurs didn't knock Manchester City out the other night because I'd half fancy a full strength Manchester United playing well against pretty much um, anyone. They had a good test today. Uh, Graham Crofland's obviously had a lot of 
publicity because he's a Manchester United fan. I, I got a message of him yesterday. He said, I believe you're on coaches to away matches. I'm like, yeah, that I've heard about him. Do you want to come on one? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, you know, he's Not this one. got to manage Newport County as well. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about Graham's trip on the monkey bus, actually, uh, on a future podcast, Andy. <laughs> the goalkeeper as well, Andy, uh, Altai, he got his start. We weren't totally sure of it. What did you think of his performance? We understand that Andrew Onana, after Cameroon's exit, will be back for the Wolves game, but finally he got some minutes. I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals. Uh, I think he played a really smart pass to Bruno Fernandes. I think it was um, Martinez who had a go at him um, early on. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, And it was also Martinez who, whose head put that one, one past him. Um, he conceded two against Newport, but I can't see how he, he would have saved either of them. I thought he had a big, a big presence, a good save right towards the end, uh, but then a save he should have absolutely been making. Um, I've got, I had no worries about watching him play today. But again, he's going to be judged against uh, far sterner opponents in Newport County. I suppose it was good for him just to get a feel for you know, the, the the raucous. Um, raw atmosphere of a of a ground like that where you've got 10,000 people everyone's sort of pretty close to you and they they, they smell um, blood when they've scored two goals so yeah n no issues for me with the goalkeeper today and of course he's the first Manchester United goalkeeper to play away at Newport County since <laughs> not Tom Heaton no as we discovered it's great isn't it on this pod we've had so many people all of us getting in touch saying actually I was at the game uh, this was the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, this was the team sheet, and it, we, we could all cross-reference, and we could come up with some definite answers. We try to find out if Tom had played the game, and I don't even think he was sure that he did play the game. I asked some of his teammates uh, <laughs> who was in goal, and I got responses back like, "That was a long time ago." Well, yeah, cheers. I've slept since. Yeah, cheers yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, but but great, and there's a lot of Manchester United fans in that area. You often go on a pre-season tour when there might be 30 United fans who've travelled from the UK and you, you see a Newport flag, so yeah, good for them that, that they didn't have to travel so far this time. Yeah, just to clarify for anyone wondering who did start that game from the Manchester United 11 against Newport in 2004, it was Lee Crockett who I think had just made his debut for the United under-18s at that point. I actually spoke to Lee, or exchanged messages with him at least, uh, over the weekend, and he was delighted that his name had cropped up again. I need to say thank you to Cameron Holgate, who sent us actually a, a picture of the Newport programme from the match today. It's called The Exile. Great name for a programme, that. Uh, which has the lineup for Manchester United. Confirms Lee's name in there. Unfortunately, he didn't have a career at United and, and, and sort of struggled to find a, a club and properly establish himself after United as well. But he is goalkeeping, coaching now uh, in Peterborough, or near Peterborough, where he's from. So good luck to Lee, and it was uh, lovely to get a great response from him. And it's amazing the response that we had from everyone suggesting who was in goal and what the score was and the atmosphere and attendance. And we even found um, a YouTube clip of the match as well. So it was like Kieran Richardson, Jonathan Spector, it was great to have a look at that. Let's talk about the draw then before we move it on to talk about Marcus Rashford. Bristol City or Nottingham Forest away, Laurie. What happened to all them home draws? We used them all up, didn't we? Andy, what have you, have you called on the 
the gods of the draws and, the, and you piss them off or something. No, like I, I, I'm gutted about it because we, we, we need home games to sell the magazine. And, and I'm going to do a piece for, about the Athletic, not about us needing home games, but <laughs> Manchester United are a, a big employer in Manchester. Hear me out on this one, right? There's two to 3,000 casual staff for every home game. And working at matches is an important part of, of their income. And there's no home matches. Do you know we had 18 home games in the first four months of 2023? And do you know what we're going to have this year? Probably eight. That is a massive drop-off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, less than half. And everything suffers from that. You know, the, the economy, the hotels in Manchester. So I was digging around the other day. I was on the phone to the city council saying, can you just confirm how many hotel beds you've got in Manchester at the moment and how many are five-star? But, yeah, the, the fixture gods have turned against me. So 12 or 13 at home and now three consecutive aways. A little nod to the 1990 FA Cup run when all the games were away from home, including a fourth round one at Hereford, which is not a million miles from Newport. So no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm stretching here to find similarities, hoping that you know we, we win the FA Cup again this year. Who was Mark Robbins' goal against? Exactly. Forrest from Nottingham. Mm, interesting. Right, we'll leave that one there. Them two drew 0-0 on Friday, so they'll face a replay. So we'll have to wait again to see exactly who we'll face and I'm not planning on driving to either of the grounds to record the concrete because I think they're going to be big enough stadiums for the games. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Right, let's get into the story around Marcus Rashford then. He missed the cup tie at Newport County with what Manchester United said was illness after also missing training for the same reason. When Eric Ten Hag was pressed about the athletic story that he'd had a night out on Thursday night, Friday morning actually, before reporting for training on Friday, Eric Ten Hag said it was an internal matter which he will deal with. It's Dan Sheldon here and I've just come out of Eric Ten Hag's press conference at Newport County where, truth be told, the United manager said very little about Marcus Rashford. You know, he, he wasn't veering off his line of saying it's an internal matter, that he will deal with it and that, that's case closed as far as any comments of a public nature. Now, he was pressed before the match started on, on Rashford's absence, maintaining that, that he was ill, uh, the club adding that he was at Carrington, to, to train as he continues his recovery. And then after the game, with, when he sat down with the written press, you know there were several questions probing Ten Hag about Rashford, his absence, whether he would take disciplinary action. But Ten Hag really didn't want to get into it, just repeating 
time and time again that it's an internal matter. And then at one point, you know, turned around and said, are there going to be any questions about the game? Um, as he was maybe on his sixth or seventh question about Rashford. It's not a great look, this, for Marcus Rashford, Laurie. Obviously, the story's up there on The Athletic if people want to read about all the details. And there's lots of detail, including where he went and, and at what time. What's your take on this? Because, like I say, it's not a great look at all, is it? He's out in Belfast on Wednesday night. He's seeing a former teammate, uh, Roshan Williams, who's uh, signed for Larn. Uh, and that was on Thursday, it looks like, from all the social media postings. Uh, and then there was this dispute, wasn't there, over whether Rashford had had a night out on Thursday as well. And then United had been informed that he was ill and he hadn't been able to train. So that was what Ten Hag said uh, to MUTV on Friday. A lot of social media chatter was around it. Um, you know, People in Belfast were saying that he was in uh, a nightclub on Thursday night. Myself and, and colleagues, Mark Critchley and Dan Sheldon, are receiving information, um, you know, trying to find out more information and trying to just absolutely ascertain what the truth of the matter is. Because it does, I think, change the story if Rashford was out on a Wednesday night and you know comes home and then becomes ill and then isn't able to train. That's a different thing than him having a Wednesday night out, a Thursday night out in Belfast and then not being able to train in the morning on Friday. I think Ten Hag would take a bit of a dim view, to be fair, even of just a, a Wednesday night trip to Belfast because United had a whole week off last week after the Spurs game uh, where you know I think they could have let their hair down then. Um, and this was just a rest day Thursday. So you know, you know the players trained Monday to Wednesday and then had a rest day Thursday and they were supposed to be training uh, Friday morning. So uh, I think Ten Hag probably would have preferred him to stay at all. But OK, fine, he's gone. But then it's this aspect of, you know, if he's not able to train on the Friday morning because of this trip, because of a night out on a Thursday night in Belfast, it just it's not it's then impacting his ability as a footballer. And, you know, as a journalist, you don't want to be. Um, I don't want to be, you know, too preachy about these kind of things. And, um, you know, footballers are allowed to have, uh, you know, private life and are allowed to have relaxation outside of the game. You know, they don't have to be totally myopic on football. But I think when it then impacts on their ability to do their job and, and certainly more so, you know, United's view of this and, and Eric Ten Hag's view of this, you could you could tell by him saying it, it's an eternal matter that, you know, clearly there's something for him to sort there. And, um, you know, we don't know the full picture, but it's some Something that he won't, I don't think, take kindly to, given he said, you know, Rashford going to China White Club after the derby, you know, the 3-0 defeat uh, for his birthday was unacceptable. Um, obviously, he dropped him uh, for the start of that game against Wolves uh, last season for um, sort of being late for a team meeting. So this is the kind of thing that Tenar, I think, will be really disappointed in. And I, I, think, it, I think a lot of fan reaction has been that level of, you know, disappointment because you want an academy player to you know, be at his best and, and perform, you know, to the fullest and look like he's enjoying his football. That hasn't seemed the case a lot this season. And we've had sort of touched of this before maybe, but it seemed like he was back to his best last season, you know, and certainly in that moment at the turn of the year. Um, but this kind of sort of feels like it's creeping back into poor decision making. Um, you know, if you if you can't train on a on a Friday morning. So so the, the information that we have is that there's a private jet that went uh, on Wednesday Wednesday evening to you know from Manchester to Belfast and then um, from uh, Belfast to Manchester on Friday morning. So it, you know Rashford I, th- I think was back in Manchester. We, we know he was back in Manchester in time for training, but uh, you know the illness then uh, stopped him from doing so, and that's then also what has kept him out of uh, the game on uh, yeah against Newport. So we'll see the full repercussions in time, I think. But it's certainly a pretty major event, I think, for this season, and and tells a lot about the kind of relationship maybe between Ten Hag and Rashford and also the whole dynamic around him as a player. 
I can't really talk because the last time I was in Belfast, I went out with you lot and had a few beers. And the next day, when I was working, when people had paid good money to see us, vomited. Absolutely. So we were mad to say anything. Yeah. But I will try and say something. Something seriously wrong. You know, Marcus scored 30 goals last year. You can see by his body language, you can see that he doesn't look happy i know last week there were social image social media images put out by him or his people saying look i can smile that was a response to probably people saying that he looks unhappy all the time but you need discipline and sacrifice in your short career as a footballer i know that some northern irish reds who actually came across him said he came across great he had time for people in lawn he's obviously loyal to his friendship with with roshan williams i think that is a good thing but do it a week earlier. Don't do yeah. it ahead of a game when you've got to be training when everybody's got a camera as well. I think it's a great shame. He, underneath it all, and I know people who know him really well and I don't, there is a very talented and a good lad there. But I worry about him. I worry about what I'm seeing when I see him play football. I worry when I see him as a journalist, when he walks through the mix zone and his body language and his behaviour is pretty different to almost every other player and it saddens me because he's a Manchester lad he's a United fan he's done loads of good in his life when he's playing football at his best you think back to some of the moments and there are so many of him as a footballer it's absolutely wonderful it would be a great shame if he if he moved on and performed as well as we like to think that he can do elsewhere as he reached the heights that we might have hoped a couple of years ago no he's certainly got the pay packet that's thrown in his face all the time. If I earn that much, I wouldn't behave like that. And I, th I think it's a little bit lazy sometimes when people do that. But he has made a mistake. It wasn't isolated. He's done it this season as well. There's been other incidents as well. We don't know what's going on with him. We don't know what's going on in his life. He's human. Um, we don't know what, what the illness is. But when you go visibly into a nightclub, uh, ahead of training, you're just ripe for, for criticism and the internal um, discipline that Eric Ten Hag uh, talked about. Again, I know people who've played football with him since he's been 14, not people who are financially beholden to him either. Because I worry sometimes with Marcus, there's been so many changes in the people around him. And footballers these days, top ones, they can afford to have a lot of people doing their bidding. I'm just not always convinced and I'm sounding hesitant about the whole thing because because I am. I worry about him and I think that is a that is a great shame and he's still a young lad. You are allowed to have private relationships. You are going to split up with your girlfriend and get back together. That's just normal and it can't be easy when everything is in uh, the, the, the public eye. Um, I know he enjoys his time when he goes to Miami at the end of the season and six months later, pictures are going viral of him. This is Marcus in Miami. No, no, that was six months ago. I saw an example of that last week, and it's simply not fair. He's probably seen untruths about him all the time. I just love to see him playing to his full potential because underneath it all, there is still a very, very good footballer there, but there's clearly issues. When you say you worry about him, Andy, do you mean you worry about him as a person or you worry that he's not going to get back to where he was or achieve the the, the full potential of, of what you think well, he's capable of? Well, he's underperforming. He plays as a forward for Manchester United. He's not playing well. He doesn't look like he's enjoying playing football. You saw the reaction recently when he, as if he was silencing the critics after one good move. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that 
that that just didn't chime with me at all. I'd be predisposed to support a Manchester lad who broke through to the first team all day long. But I don't think he always helps himself. I don't think he helps himself in the media all the time. I don't think it's easy. No one will have any sympathy for top-level players. And again, he earns this, he earns that. But there are sides to it where the pressure is unrelenting. You're being judged all the time. He literally cannot go out to Greg's to buy himself a sausage roll without someone being papped because he's young, because he plays for Manchester United. And some players can take that and some can't. He's made a mistake here and it's not the first time he's made a mistake and it's not a good look. And he's getting criticism from Manchester United fans as well. I don't know what the solution is. Do you get professional help? You know, this is this is much deeper than me talking on a podcast. Clearly, there's a there's a lad there who, for whatever reason, is not fulfilling his huge potential, and that saddens me. The ultimate test of this, Laurie, I think, will be how well Marcus Rashford reacts, but how Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United react as well. I mean, you mentioned the thing at Wolves last season. Obviously, it's a a, a much much more minor thing than than this, but obviously, the, the, the major takeaway from that day was. The reaction was he came off the bench and scored the winner for Manchester United and and the story and the narrative changed completely than it might have been if if the reaction had been different. And obviously, the, the direct parallel will be drawn, drawn with Jadon Sancho, who was the last high-profile Manchester United player to have a, a major disciplinary issue with Eric Ten Hag. So the measure of all of this is going to be what happens next, isn't it? Yeah, well, the Sancho one's an interesting equivalent because obviously Ten Hag went public after the Arsenal game about why Sancho wasn't in the team because of poor performance in training. So, I mean, you could say at least Sancho was in training um, for that match. Um, but uh, and but rather than say anything like that this time, Ten Hag's sort of circled the wagon, said it's an internal matter and United have obviously released the statement saying that it was illness and he's going to continue training at Carrington. Now, the, the truth of it is is difficult to ascertain, absolutely. I feel like that was a statement more, you know, protecting Rashford um, and you, you can either reprimand him, can't you, or you can kind of just try and keep things in-house and the, the, the issue with this one was that there was social media clips all over, you know, there was there was so many people saying he was in this club on Thursday night because they were stunned, you know. It, this training the next morning, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's not like it was an afternoon one. It's a different country, you know. I know it's technically the UK, but it requires a flight to, to get to. Um, so that's why this one became such an obvious thing in the public domain. But I feel like United will want to try and keep it in house and see what kind of help they can give. I feel like it's more of a, a collegiate kind of response in this situation because Marcus has shown the the, the potential previously but it, it's got to come from him hasn't it you know it's he he's made that choice to to go to Belfast and then to have these you know nights out and it's obviously the wrong choice I mean you know, you know the players in the treble I mean Andy knows this better than me but you know they they also enjoyed nights out Manchester City players they enjoy nights out still do you know but it's a different thing when you're winning and there's certain moments that you can do it and and sort of you know, you're allowed that you know to do it when you've had a week off already and then um you know you you head, heading into a, a frequent sequence of fixtures you know Wolves on Thursday uh West Ham um on uh, Sunday you know it's it's 
we're now getting into the crunch time and, and this is kind of where surely Ten Hag would want the players to be kind of focused and just, you know, looking at their fitness and looking at their, their preparations and their tactical plans. Um, as Andy touched on, I mean, he broke into the team at 18, didn't he? So he's 26 now. I mean, that's one thing. He's not a young lad anymore. This isn't a, a mistake that you can kind of put down to naivety, really. Uh, I think it's a it, it's a conscious decision, really. But he's been in the spotlight for eight years. And I mean, I think that, that does have a, a huge amount of pressure, you know, England international as well. You know, you, let's not forget the Euros and what happened in the final of that and, you know, some of the abuse he must have suffered um, throughout all of that. Um, and, and as Andy touched on, you know, the really good stuff that he's done outside of football, you know, for the free school meals. So it, it, there's, a, but there's a lot of focus on him and I, I, you just wonder what is is your response to that? Is it just to kind of go, I just need to relax, I need to go into a situation where I'm not expected to do anything. I kind of just, I'm enjoying myself. And then does it tip too much into I'm doing that more often than I am, uh, you know, focusing on football? That that's that's the issue. But again, it's got to come from Marcus Rashford. It's it's up to him. But it is also also up to United to see what they want to do in this situation. Is it going to be a stick or is it going to be a little bit of carrot? I think it's a huge problem for United. He's a bigger asset to the club than, than Jadon Sancho was. In theory, he's the biggest star at Manchester United, isn't yeah. he? He's, he should be a poster boy for yeah. the club as an academy player, yeah. you know, one of the one of the, the, the major I names think in the team. If you ask globally, name two Manchester United players, you'd probably get um, Bruno Fernandes and, and, and Marcus Rashford. Yeah. And I think his reputation has been really damaged by his performances. And as Laurie says, if you win him, None of this really matters. These are the type of stories I get out of former players 10 years after they've retired. When they say <laughs> things, seriously, like, I shouldn't yeah, have done yeah, this. Yeah. Went to Belfast the night before, hey, Liverpool you away, what. you know, <laughs> add whatever. And, yeah. you know, we still got the 2-0 win and we stayed top of the league. The problem is he's not playing well and the team are not playing well. And this is fresh after signing that, that huge contract and it's viewed, not unfairly, through the prism of all of those um, factors. United would love to help him, but how do you help him? He's not a kid anymore, even though he's young. He is allowed to go out in the city where he grew up. But imagine being him. Imagine how many hangers on you must attract. Imagine how difficult it is to decipher whether someone likes you for who you are. Yeah. And And, and again, it takes me back to my first point. I think it's really sad because I spoke to his old school teachers who's after he made his debut, went back in Ashton on Mersey and he said, um, shouldn't you be in training today? He went, no, well, all my mates are in school, so I'm here. And he, he, he just scored a couple of goals. There's so many good stories and so much good was done from his social campaigning. But even there, I had questions. I would read tweets under his name for his account and the cynical sceptic in me would think, this doesn't sound anything like you. But you let it go because the end result, i.e., free school dinners, brilliant, was result. such a was, was such a positive thing. It's, and there was so much done as well beyond the free school meals. You know, he's putting pressure on the government to change policy to help young kids and, and people across the country. At the time, it was it was revolutionary for a, a modern day player to use their influence like that. And it was well used. When you say he was, I think he and others were. You know, he was used very skillfully. Yeah. But the idea of him being on a scoreboard at Goodison Park in Liverpool during COVID, Everton fans thanking him, this is this has never happened before. And it was alluded to by I think Ollie Gunner, just I just want him to focus on his football. But straight away people jumped on that saying, you know, social causes are far more important than a mere game of football. And I and I get that argument as well. But is is 
He's going to have good and bad days. He's going to have times when he feels shit, where he can't sign every autograph, where he can't be nice to everybody. He's being judged all the time. It's proper goldfish bowl stuff. But that's what comes with being one of the most high-profile footballers in the world. It just is. And if you're going to play for Man United, you've got to find coping mechanisms to deal with that. Okay, well, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about this situation on the podcast, so we'll leave it there for the moment. If you want to read more about the situation with Marcus Rashford and this night out in Belfast, then you can go to The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now. For $1.99 a month for the first 12 months, just go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Wolves away on Thursday next for Manchester United. Um, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Previewing a game on a podcast uh, to start the week. We've not done that for a while and there's not many opportunities in the second half of the season to do it either. But boy, oh boy, Laurie, do I hope this is not a standard Manchester United-Wolves game. I uh, know. Uh, well, you know, me and Andy are both going to be there as well. So I hope there's some entertainment for us to enjoy and talk about afterwards. Wolves have actually been pretty good this season, haven't they? Gary O'Neill, clearly a really astute manager. I always like after matches, he kind of picks up on a little thing that he saw in the first half. And, he, you know, he made some changes, you know, tweaked some things at time, And then the, the boys really applied themselves. He's kind of like, you know, just very sort of cerebral about things. I'm good, me, aren't I? Yeah, he, there is a little bit of that as well, definitely. Yeah, yeah making sure we, we're aware that yeah, he's had an influence on how the game's gone. But he, I think I think that's fair enough because I mean, listen, nobody else is going to toot his arm, you know, because it, it seems like you know he did a really good job at Bournemouth and then he gets the the sack, doesn't he? So, so to speak. <laughs> you mean sure? Yeah. And then uh, I mean, yes, Wolves were you know really good at Old Trafford first game of the season, weren't they? I think United were very lucky to get the win there. So um, I could see. I mean, they're missing uh, Juan, aren't they? So, uh, with the he's still away with South Korea, I think, isn't he? So he will be. Yeah, I mean, their their games later on in the week against Saudi Arabia. So I don't think he'd be back in time, even if they were to lose that. Yeah, right. So I mean, and I think he's been a really good player for them. Cunha, obviously, you know, terrorised United through midfield, even though he's a striker, and I think he'll do that kind of thing again. If United put in that kind of performance against Wolves, it's going to be a tough afternoon, I think. Um, yeah, going to be a tough afternoon being with you in the car because it's actually a night game. We're not going to play a midweek game in the afternoon, and this stays in the podcast, boys. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's getting late now, isn't it? Um, Pedro Neto's back for Wolves as well, and Neto and Cunha are on the score sheet. I mean, United need to show as much fight as the fans inside the Hawthorns on Sunday, which ended up delaying the FA Cup draw, didn't it, Andy? I love that chant at the start where it went, Wolves, Wolves, fuck off, Wolves. <laughs> West Brom, bang, bang, Liquidator. bang. <laughs> yes, that yeah, was that the was one. In, that was Thanks in my for head. the clarity there. All, all the time at the Hawthorns, it just used to be in my head that, you know, every every week that was there for the Daily Mail. I spoke to a few Wolves fans ahead of this. They are vengeful. They are fuming after what happened in the first game of the season when Anana wiped out Kaladzic and took Craig Dawson with him. And 
I don't know any Man United fans who didn't think that it wasn't a penalty. Gary O'Neill came in, he's been quietly effective. Wolves fans are singing his name all the time now. They've started calling him the school teacher and they're praising him for his patience and the way that his methods are working. And that was someone who was an underwhelming appointment when he came in. Wolves fans weren't having him. But remember when he came to Old Trafford, I think he said something like, this was after the game, yeah, I've been with the players now for uh, almost four days and some of the things we worked on came off and I thought, almost four days. Manchester United have just travelled around the world together. Maybe that was a hindrance rather than a help, but yeah. they were fantastic at, at Old Trafford. United, with the players back, we've got to do what we did last year and that doesn't mean Marcus Rashford getting dropped again for turning up late because that was at Wolves come off the bench year, and score the winner and make it up. That's probably <laughs> he, uh, a good start. You can absolutely, yeah. absolutely do that. It was a tough, ugly game last year. At some point, Manchester United need to start winning successive football matches. And if that doesn't happen soon, the season's going to be up. And the team have got to be finishing in Europe this year. I'm not even saying Champions League. That's over the hill at the moment. But get a win at Wolves. Actually, Laurie, I said, you know, I don't want it to be a typical Manchester United-Wolves game. It's been a bit of a running joke from Carl, especially, that it ends up being sort of nil-nil or 1-1. And it's a war of attrition between the teams. But I'm just looking at United's record at Molyneux in recent times. I mean, they've won the last three there in the Premier League. The last time that United lost at Molyneux was uh, way back in April 2019. So the, the record's actually quite good. Is it always 1-0s, though? Uh, let's have a look. Yeah. There's definitely two 1-0s in there, isn't there. He played a really young team there. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is so proud of this that United were unbeaten and he, he felt that he risked... May 2021. He, play, he, last he played all the, season, the kids. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did Ahmad, sc- he set one up that day, did he? Alanga score that day? Header? You mean Omari Forson didn't play ahead of him that day? No, that was another interesting uh, late substitution in the Newport game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm just having a look now. So two, that was a 2-1 win. Uh, since then, they've won 1-0 twice. They had a 0-0 draw there, a 1-1 draw there. Blimey. Uh, and then Wolves won 2-1. In fact, I'm just, <laughs> just looking at the games. United beat them 2-0 in May 2023. Other than that, there's not been more than a one-goal difference since 2012. My goodness. It, it is attritional. It is just... I mean, they, they're well-organised, aren't they, Wolves? You know, particularly under schoolteacher O'Neill. <laughs> and United... <laughs> Mr O'Neill to you. <laughs> Mr O'Neill. And, uh, and I don't feel like United have... Even even tonight against Newport County, you know, it's not like they're playing with flair as such. It's not like you, you can see how they're going to pull apart a, a well-drilled defence. So I just feel like it's going to be another tight one. Yeah, the last time United won at Molyneux by more than a goal uh, was a 5-0 win in 2012. A centre-half called Johnny Evans, remember him? He opened the scoring on 21 minutes. Wow. Uh, and a young lad called Paul Pogba came off the bench for Manchester United in his first spell. But that that's not the most remarkable thing about Wolverhampton, is it, Andy? Well, I could tell you some unremarkable things. Like Wolverhampton was the first town or city in the United Kingdom to introduce automated traffic lights back in 1927. It's um, not quite New York, Wolverhampton. It's a proud <laughs> town and the fans are on it. But That is one way of describing it. Yeah. Trips to Newport and Wolverhampton within a, a week. Yeah, this is for the hard bit in United fans, this one. Uh, any rivers in Wolverhampton you'd like to disparage at this point, Mr Mitten? <laughs> I stand by what I say about the River Rusk in Newport. It is an ugly it river. You even got a mention in the commentary, did, didn't it? It did, yeah. Did you, did you like <laughs> yeah. it when they uh, zoomed out, Andy, and you could see the uh, oh. the beautiful car park behind the uh, the temporary stands? 
I, I, I said to my wife, look at that. I mean, just look at that beautiful stadium, cityscape. And she just looked at me as if, why did I marry you? <laughs> you must get that look a lot. Uh, right, we're going to round it up there. Laurie and Andy, thank you so much for being with us as always. Thank you for listening to Talk of the Devils. If you want to get involved, ask questions of the guys, you can always get in touch. Use the email devilspod at theathletic.com. But for the moment, thank you again. And we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. Athletic.